0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Doing The Thing podcast. You're gonna pick up really quickly, so I might as well call it out. This is a solo session just with me today. Jason's parents are visiting him in his new uh, home. And uh, so we're gonna give Jason a break um, and you're just gonna get to spend some time with lovely old me. <laughs> and, you know, today's topic is an interesting one to me and it's around managing expectations. Um, And the reason that I think about this is with all that's going on in um, folks' careers that I work with, um, often, many times, their challenges and dissatisfaction in the roles that they currently hold, whatever they may be, tie back to their challenges, setting and managing expectations of others. and so you know it kind of becomes this Gordian knot and for those of you familiar with the Gordia story um, this was a knot that was just ununtiable <laughs> if that's such a word um, until Alexander the Great as the story goes rather than trying to untie this massive complex knot just took out his sword and cut it in half and sometimes it's that simple in managing expectations with others is just cutting the knot completely. Um, So I'll share with you kind of a personal story and it will give some context to this conversation. And at the end, I'm gonna give you uh, several tips on how to best manage expectations, how to work through those complex situations and kind of strategies to pause and reset where appropriate. Um, So here's the story. Way back in the day when I started my sales career, uh, I was newly married, um, had two children, uh, third on the way, and I purchased an F-150 pickup truck. And I want to say that back At that time, which, you know, I grew up with dinosaurs, so that should tell you something. Um, I think the F 150 was 22 miles a gallon freeway, 17 cities, something like that. The role that I held was as a territory manager for Kraft Food Service. And we were a broadline distributor. We carried about 11,000 different SKUs. And the role involved me traveling from restaurant to hotel to resort to camp. Um, working with chefs and providing them food service products, um, as well as, you know, sometimes equipment, sometimes plates, all those things came into context. And visiting clients, I would, you know, uh, look at their inventory, suggest new products, take their orders, submit them through. Back then, it was a Telzon, and I carried a pager back in my dinosaur days, so that should tell you something else. Um, but the Telson would transmit through a phone line, and identify the SKUs that the client wanted to order, as well as quantity and price. And then, you know, the role of Craft Food Service, which was located about a hundred miles from where my territory was in Hammett, California, would then deliver three days a week. And that's where things got interesting. Uh, when I accepted the role, uh, it was a salary-based role for the first six months, and then what's called click down to commission. So after six months, you would start to lose more and more of your salary each month until you went to straight commission. So every bit of client visitation I did was at my own cost and on my own dime. Here's where the challenge came up. Um, in industry agnostic, um, warehouse and delivery supplying Companies operated about a 1.3 to a 3 percent error rate, um, and what that means is, when you know, in my case, I was working with uh, quite a number of clients, um, and you know, their average uh, caseload was about 42 cases per order. When you multiplied it all up, I was moving about 5,124 cases. A week. And if you take that 1% to 3% error rate, um, let's go on the high side because that's where Kraft Food Service was. Uh, you know, 154 cases were either delivered with incorrect product, substituted product, or potentially damaged product. And that's when the VIA started. Um, clients would call me and say, hey, listen, I got my order today, XYZ is wrong, um, and I need your help. And because I had an F-150 truck, I would, you know, do that round trip back to the warehouse, pick up the replacement products, deliver it to my client uh, or clients, as usually was the case, and then, you know, make my way home to a dinner that was in the microwave and oftentimes to kids that were already in bed. After a good year of this, uh, I just, the, the transportation costs, the cost of gasoline was punitive, and it was eating heavily into my household budget. And so I made this decision to sell the F-150 and find something that was much more fuel efficient. And those of you listening, you may or may not remember, but there was a product on the market called Geo Metro. And Geo was a three cylinder little matchbox. Um, And once I acquired it, and I think it got at the time 54 miles to a gallon or something ridiculous compared to the F-150, but the trade-off was it had between 60 and 70% less space to carry products. Um, so right after I got it, within a week of when I got it, you know, I'm still receiving these calls from my clients saying, hey, I'm missing this product or I need this replacement. And I have to say, well, listen, I have some news for you. Um, I traded in the truck, sold the truck. Um, I now am driving a vehicle that has much less room in it. Um, So what do you really need? And that's where the managing of expectation magic really happened Um, because in most cases, people would just say, well, listen, I think I can wait till the next delivery. I think I can get by. And those three to four to five trips I was taking a week back to the warehouse and then out to my client's facilities, and I covered a broad territory, a lot of mileage in between different pockets of cities that I serviced. All of a sudden those multiple trips became one or two trips, and they were really and truly only the essential things because I didn't have the room to fit it any longer, so there was no way to meet that expectation. The other thing that I found is that when I showed up at my facility, and the transportation managers who i would met with many times and said, listen, we have to fix these error rates because it's the driving is killing me. Uh, and it, it never seemed to change. But miraculously, within a few weeks of buying the Geo Metro, all of a sudden our pick rate errors reduced from above 3% to almost 1.2%. So on one side of the equations, clients was, were expecting less from me. And on the other side of the equation, my company began to perform better. <laughs> and that's what led me to that revelation of, you know, sometimes in situations you're being challenged by, whether it be workplace, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether it be in your personal life, um, the expectations set on you by others can create a tough situation for you. And sometimes, tipping the very first domino over can lead to a whole spillover effect of change. So I'm going to outline for you now the five most important rules with, <clears throat> excuse me, how to best manage expectations. Unsurprisingly, the very first one is learning to say no. Um, and that may not be appropriate in all situations, right? So. In those cases where you have the ability to say no, and it's the right thing to do for you to say no, I encourage you to do so. But if you're not in that type of position, you know, before agreeing, probe the situation a little bit more by asking some clarifying questions. Make sure that you really understand the need behind the request being made of you. And as you do so, don't be in a hurry to give an answer. In fact, ask for some time to think it through and perhaps even share the reasons why you might want to think it through. Leave the door open, but say, you know, I'd like to I'd like to noodle this around a little bit in that popcorn machine brain of mine, and uh, let me get back to you and agree on the time you can do so. If in that thinking, there are other alternatives that come to mind that can resolve whatever's being requested of you, then... Propose some compromises and say, well, listen, I understand what you're trying to accomplish here, what you're asking of me, I understand why. And I think I can accomplish it in a different way. And I'd like to share with you my thinking and see if that might be a good resolution. So not being afraid to propose alternatives and compromises. Um, And finally, when all else fails and you're accepting something that has consequences to you, then make sure you communicate those consequences. You want to help a person understand, hey, what you're asking of me um, is gonna affect me in these ways and I just want you to understand those implications. And even if you end up doing something you really didn't wanna do or really didn't like doing or creates a level of stress for you that you aren't comfortable having, as long as the other person knows that, the next time they come to ask for something they're going to be a little bit more reflective of the impact on you of the things that they're asking. Um, So I hope that this uh, anecdotal story and the conversation around setting expectations has been an entertaining one for you. As you all know, listeners of the Doing the Thing podcast, uh, I'm a writer. I'm finishing up book five from my publisher, which is due March 13th. And because of all that, I love to tell stories. And this is one story that I think and hope will resonate for all of you listening. So thank you for joining. Uh, Next week, we should be back on track with Jason. Uh, Have a great rest of the day and rest of the week and look forward to talking soon.